started playing when I was eight, um, mm. and by the time I was eleven, I think we are, had already decided that I, this is what I was going to do for a living. Mm. Um, wow. So, um, actually, uh, went to a girls' school, Rajni <laughs> Bon. Oh, um, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, up until I was in sixth grade, basically, and that's when all the guys have to have to leave. Have to leave. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then and then I went to Yotin Burana, uh-huh. but they because they have this program where it's all Thai syllabus but taught in English. Right, English program. Yeah, yeah the English program. So right. yeah, that was a preparation to studying abroad. Basically, your house must be kind of closest to mine. <laughs> I always drove by the school because I oh. I went to San Francisco Xavier Convent in uh-huh. Samsin, but my house is around Paramjet. So I always drive, oh, I around, yeah, around there. So I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah. Where do you live? Uh, I live. Where do I live? <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody! Welcome back to Isara Talk Podcast, the podcast of Isara International Sound. Today we have a guest. He is a. Violinist from Thailand and uh, founder member of Sora Quartet. Please welcome Pitop Desho. I can't. Ah! Desho Pon Go into We What, right? Yeah. Yeah. Go. Is it Go into We What? Go into We What. Go into We What. Go into We What. Okay. Cool. You want to start over? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Take two. Fine. Keep it. <laughs> keep it. <laughs> yeah, keep it. All right. Please welcome Pitop Deshopon Kovin to be Watka. Thank you for having me. How are you today? I'm okay. I'm doing well. Uh, how about you guys? We're doing really well. Pretty good. Yeah. So, where are you right now? Um, I'm here in uh, Vienna. In Austria, yeah, I'm doing a, a kind of exchange semester. Uh, I'm kind of in a program. It's a joint master's program. It's designed for basically chamber music, um, and our host institution is actually uh, the Norwegian Academy of Music in Oslo. And so mm-hmm. we're here in Vienna this semester, and the next we're going to Paris. Um, then we're back in Oslo. The, the semester after. Yeah. Those are some great destinations. Yes. I'm pretty jealous. Yes. <laughs> and also, we didn't realize that those are all really expensive options. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope that part of it works out. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just really want to get this out of the way early. I really hope that Marilyn watches this. I want to send it to her yes. <laughs> so she can see couple of her so former students having a podcast. <laughs> that would be very cute. So um, can you tell us a bit about your, your current projects and, and what you do with your career as a musician? Um, so basically, well, I'll go back a little bit, but um, I was always, you know, into string quartets. Um, I think my first real experience with with a string quartet was when I was 15 when I was studying in Hong Kong and uh, I was put in this uh, quartet with 
of course, three other guys that I, uh, guys and girls that I really enjoyed hanging out with. Um, and I think the first thing we played was Death in the Maiden. Mm. And so I was just like, I got thrown into something quite challenging um, and just really loved it. Um, and I think since then, you know, I'll, with every school I, I went to, was Overland, Indiana, uh, I always try to put together a group that yeah. is fun first, mm-hmm. but somewhat serious. Okay. Um, so I gravitate, I gravitated towards playing with friends rather than just picking the best players or things like that. And oh. yeah, I always found that, um, the music is fresher that way in, in some sense, like, mm-hmm. um, cause you, you have a real connection with people you play with. Um, yeah, and so when I got to Indiana University, um, yeah, I tried to put groups together and things like that. And it, uh, only the year after, when when my fiance, now fiance, then girlfriend, Tsai, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, she also arrived at at IU, and then uh, we started playing together. And again, it was just casual in the beginning. Um, but the Pacifica Quartet, who was our main mentor, and, mm-hmm. uh, they basically thought there might be some potential. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I think in 2013, we started rehearsing a little bit more, but still nothing that serious, you know. And only in 2014, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we really went for it um basically rehearsed seven days a week Hmm. at least five hours a day um it's too much by the way (laughs) for anyone (laughs) listening that was not a good idea um not healthy at all um and yeah luckily like within the first year we 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 were fortunate enough to to win some things and Mm. things again things started to take off from there Mm. Um, and so I was always set in this path of, uh, of string quartet. Mm. Um, and we also made a point not to do things outside of the quartet. Oh, um, okay. so no one was gigging. Um, we didn't really do much like solo stuff and things like that, which in hindsight is not the best, <laughs> it's not the best <laughs> idea. Um, yeah. And so basically just went on from there and you know we had a few member changes and we had basically kind of a um what do you call it? like uh, we we took a, a year off basically uh, oh. in 2018 mm-hmm. um and decided we still wanted to do it um to keep playing and so we you know put together another uh, you know <laughs> we found two other members um, mm-hmm. Haruno and Julian mm. uh, Jules as you know him yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah uh, and yeah we just kept going um, and we thought we heard of this program that I mentioned in the beginning uh, it's called the Egg Master which is mm. basically uh, it's a part of the European Chamber Music Academy uh, the ECMA and yeah, it we we heard about the program and how you know you you get to live in three different cities, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are actually more choices. Like we could have lived in Florence, um, oh. Manchester, mm-hmm. uh, somewhere in Lithuania, mm-hmm. um, and the Hague. Oh. Um, yeah, it, it was kind of hard to to choose basically, but um, we thought you know Vienna is a must. A must. And and Paris Absolutely. like with French music having such um, kind of a particular way of um, basically like a particular approach to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why not learn it from the French people? Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so that's why we went with the, with the choices. Um, yeah. And so that's why we moved to Europe. Um, we also got involved with this uh, organization called Le Dimore del Quartetto. Um, they're basically, it, it's founded by the violist of the Cremona, Cremona String Quartet. Mm. And it's really cool because you, you pay, I think, I forgot how much it was, but like, let's say 200 euro or something like that per year. And you get put in touch with, um, basically, they have all these uh, historical houses all around Europe. It's like mm-hmm. hundreds of them. Um, and let's say that we want to do a competition uh, in Germany or, yeah, in Germany. And so you look up the historical houses that they have. And if they have one around you, you can apply to basically uh, for them to host you. Oh. And all you, you have to do uh, in return is to give a house concert, which is always a blast anyway wow yeah that's pretty great yeah it's 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 a cool concept and um and it's it actually has has brought us quite a few uh other good things from it like we just won a prize um from the organization which means that we will be recording our first album next year wow Um, congratulations we'll be we'll be doing Haydn opus 33 Number four, five, six. Oh, great. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're up to. We have like a few concerts because of the uh, Le Dimore. We have a few concerts in, okay. uh, in Italy throughout mm-hmm. the years. Um, and then what else do we have? Well, we also uh, enrolled in the um, Chapelle. Have you heard of <laughs> the really, no. Chappelle? Uh, oh, the the, okay. That, yes. yeah. Yeah, in, um, in uh, Belgium. That's the program uh, so we Carson Long is in? Yes. Yeah. Cool. So bas- we basically go there once a month if we can. It hasn't worked out uh, a few times. Uh, like Jules actually got COVID. Oh, <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that bad. Okay. <laughs> um, but we, of course, we couldn't go. Um, and then there are times when you know, it, with the visa and everything, mm. sometimes sure. it gets complicated. Yeah. Um, Especially yeah, now. So, yes, so we're doing that, and we work with a lot of great people. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of what we've been doing. Wow. Seems like you're very busy. Very busy. It's, it's a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Thank you for your time for joining us today. Oh, happy to do it. Absolutely. It's, it's also um, funny because we had planned to basically be here for two years, mm-hmm. then move back to the States. 
Like mm-hmm. I still have pretty much all my stuff in the storage in, in Jersey. Um, <laughs> but after coming here, it's, it's quite clear that we all kind of want to move. Uh, we, do, we don't know where exactly yet, but... Mm-hmm. But to Europe? It, yeah, to Europe. Mm, it's, okay. More specifically, I think we really enjoyed uh, Oslo. Okay. Mm. It's something we didn't quite expect. You know, never thought about moving to mm. to Oslo, but mm. um, it's it's a nice transition from you know the U.S. to you know to Europe because um, I think they they kind of um, I would say kind of they adopt and adapt some kind of. Uh, um, American culture in oh. a lot of ways, and of course, everyone speaks uh, everyone speaks um, English perfectly. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, and but at the same time, it's in Europe, you know. Mm. And so, like, it's yeah, it's it's a nice change. And like coming to Vienna, Vienna is great, you know, with all the concerts and and the level of of the musicians here is crazy. But um, mm-hmm. Uh, but you do feel really guilty not being able to speak <laughs> German. Sure. You know, and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. And, um, so like, Norway is, it's very, um, it's a good compromise in, in that sense that, cause you try to, like, we, we, we are learning Norwegian, but, um, but there's no real pressure, you know, to, mm. to do it as quickly as possible. And okay. Um, and nice. also, there's a lot of Thai people in Oslo. I did oh, not really? know that. Oh, really? Yep. There's Thai uh, restaurants, like, everywhere. Oh, that's um, surprising. That is surprising. Well, now we have yeah. to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know how, like, um, Asian markets in the States mm-hmm. are usually run by, you know, Chinese people or Korean, Korean. people? Yeah. Um, and also then the product. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's kind of it's more Chinese and Korean, Korean and, food. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But in Norway, it's it's mostly Thai and Vietnamese. Interesting. So like, wow. I could find a lot of Thai stuff that I couldn't find in the states. Oh my! It's nice. That's pretty nice. Yeah. Your eyes are sparkling right I know, now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> she I really misses miss a lot of food. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. And and I think also like Norwegians mentality is quite similar to Thai. I I feel like in mm-hmm. in a lot of sense like I f- people keep to themselves. They're polite, mm-hmm. um, very quiet, but at mm-hmm. the same time really friendly. Oh, um, and it, it's crazy how how quiet the the city feels. It's just yeah, cool. like if you hear someone honking, it's like that's unusual. Oh <laughs> wow. Yeah, and it's mostly wow. electric cars, and so it's, mm. it's quiet. Wow, yeah, I didn't know that. It's, it's really nice. Oh, they're moving forward really fast. Yeah, you made me want to go visit. You're there painting a very possible. rosy picture of Oslo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we really love it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, I have a question. You so the quartet is still named the Zora Quartet. Yep. Is that right? Okay, so I wanted to ask you, um, what does that mean? Uh, why choose this name and what was the what's the story behind that yeah you know Kivok mm-hmm. was the one who gave us the, the name and Kivok is Henry's and my teacher mm-hmm. um, and 
um, basically we were doing a project, I think with Caroline Shaw, um, I think it was 2013 back at mm -hmm. IU. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were like the, the people who arranged the concerts was like, you, you need a name for your content. And, and so we were like, uh, you know, we, we didn't think of having a name. And of, of course, the first thing that came to our minds was Atlantica because of Pacifica. Pacifica. <laughs> of course, that's, uh, that's, yep. That's adorable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, um, basically we, we spent like weeks trying to come up with a name. We went through all the Latin names and mm. like too pretentious or whatever. Uh, didn't, we didn't connect with them. Uh, so finally, I just texted Kavok and I was just like, do you have an idea? <laughs> like, mm. we will take anything, basically. And I think within like a few minutes, he texted back with like Zora. Mm. And he said in Bulgarian, it's just, it means uh, sunrise. And mm. he said that that's a nice, you know, meaning since we were just starting being serious. Mm. Um, and also... Back then, Zizai was the only girl in the quartet, and he thought it was cool that her name started with a Z. Uh, oh. So, Zora, you know, and I, we were like, yes, that's the name. And of I was course, just like about to say, minutes, yeah, it, it's, any name starting with Z is great cool. marketing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I think also, um, Pablo and I were, you know, Zelda fans and Zora. I've always thought of that too. Yeah, actually, when we were at the, uh, we were doing fish off competition, and like right before we get on stage, I think for the final or the grand final or something, like some guy in the, in the you know, the crew member backstage was just like, "Did you guys name it after Zelda?" No, but it was a happy accident. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a bonus to the name for sure. Yep. You know, it's the right one when it has so many connection to it, personal yeah. and the personal touch. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So Hopefully um, easy oh, to remember as well. Yes, it is. It, it definitely yeah. is. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you about um, being a quartet member. What is it like having three other coworkers or teammates? Um, and those are the people that you rehearse with for so many hours every day, it's, it's almost like a little family. Can you shed some light, uh, for how that works when you get to yeah. such a high professional level like yourself? Um, well, uh, it's a, it's a nightmare. And <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's, it, I uh, well, it, that was a joke, but it can be, you know, if, if, um, like if you don't sort out the dynamics or, or kind of, little um issues or tensions that you may have you know mm -hmm. i think i think it's kind of because like like i said in the beginning that i prefer to play with with people who i have fun with um, yeah. mm -hmm. rather than like the best player and things like that and mm. um i've done gigs and been in a group with you know really top players and and sometimes I think like, because you, you respect them so much, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. Um, but then of course, like no matter how much you respect someone, there'll be things that, that you don't always enjoy. Mm -hmm. That's just nature of diversity and everything. And, mm -hmm. and so, 
um, because you respect them, you kind of keep all those thoughts, you know, in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, and then I feel like, from my experience, sometimes I feel like it, both from from my own experience and and seeing how other people operate. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they build up uh, in not a the best way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and what usually happens is the group would implode. Basically, mm. no one would explode, of course, but it would just be like, I think I want to do something else, ah. mm-hmm. you know, um, and I'm more in the camp of like, it's better to just talk it out. I mean, of mm-hmm. course, if you can forget about it and it's not a big deal to you, that's always, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but if something is bugging you, then I feel like it's better to, to work it out to really yeah, communicate. I think communication sure. is is really important, and um, yeah, and you know, like I, Marilyn was one of the first um, people who told me that, like, you know, with quartet, you have to be careful because there's no way um, that four people can come to a rehearsal feeling the same way. Mm. You know, like I. I can be feeling great today, but then maybe one of your colleagues is, you know, not having the best day or mm. vice versa and things sure. like that. And so it's hard to, I, I think it's not possible to, to hope or expect, well, you can hope, but <laughs> you can't expect like a utopian kind of uh, mm. rehearsal sure. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to always sense the second someone walks into a room, like, oh, okay, like he's walking a little bit louder today, or like, <laughs> you know, or like he's quiet today, she's quiet today, whatever, and mm. and and kind of try to to see what you can do. Um, mm. um, sometimes, of course, like if you're in a better place, you try to help them out and just mm-hmm. be like, hey, is everything all right, or whatever, because sometimes that that's all someone needs. Yeah, they they mm-hmm. just want to be seen, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and um, but sometimes like some days I'm also not in a good place. So I was like, okay, I see you're not having the best day either, but I can't help. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So, right. so then then you have one of those days when like no one really wants to talk, sure, and mm-hmm. things like that, and mm-hmm. then usually it it in turn makes someone else uncomfortable, and it, it you know it it gets. It can get kind of messy, but I mm-hmm. think usually if you if you make sure to work it out, at mm. least like if there's any tension you can't get rid of today, you know, by the end of the week, hopefully, mm-hmm. you can kind of like, hey, by the way, I was a dick on Monday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sorry, you know, or something like that. Then 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 you kind of move past it. Mm. Um, yeah. It sounds like being in a relationship. I was gonna say with too. like it three is. other people in the group. Yep. Yeah, you yeah. kind of have to find a balance and just you know communicate and yeah. I guess yeah. that's the secret. Yeah, running a quartet. I was gonna say yeah. I I think it's interesting how when you were describing why you got into quartets and what you were doing at the beginning, you were doing it with friends and playing with people that you enjoyed, and then when I asked you what it's like 
being in the quartet and about the members, you went right for the the personal relationships part. So it's very interesting to see. It looks like you really love other musicians and, and people and this type of connecting with people. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I mean, I think, I mean, I feel like music, it's, it's about connections, right? It's about mm -hmm. communication and things like that. Um, even if you don't have an audience, you kind of, you are playing to connect with yourself, uh, mm -hmm. like a part of yourself that you don't know or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so like the idea of playing with a bunch of other people who, who are the, the top of their game and all these things, but at the same time are not the people you connect with, then mm -hmm. I feel like that's not that's not the kind of music I would like to create, mm. you know, like, um, it can be very, very professional. Um, it can still be moving certainly, but, um, I feel like there's something extra, um, when you, in, in some ways when you have to work hard for it, mm. um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of always think, that it's true with everything in in life as well like um i don't know how much you guys know this but i am a huge fan of liverpool um i do okay you me <laughs> too i i used to be a big fan i was gonna get into that at the end oh, nice. but yeah <laughs> okay now the man city fans are turning, turning yeah, everyone the, is turning the podcast the, the <laughs> we don't want them <laughs> <laughs> no but for me it's it's the same with uh with liverpool like mm. and 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 the club's kind of strategy of of buying players and all these things like if you notice uh, liverpool almost never buy uh, a superstar mm -hmm. right like True. we always we always buy like ones that you know the players that are about to break break through mm -hmm. or you see the potential and then you you make them world class you don't right hmm by world-class players and and there's something attractive about that to me that and like um that you don't always have to play with the best players but mm -hmm. you play with players who who you really uh, who share like the same values basically mm. um like sometimes i've done concerts with really terrific terrific players but um on the stage you know like i'm trying to do something slightly spontaneous and you know did not get a reaction uh mm. then it's a little bit you know, like a tiny bit like we rehearsed this one way mm -hmm. um and now we're just gonna execute it mm. Mm. then uh, then it's like you're in delivery mode in, yeah. in a sense and mm -hmm. and then i feel like um, I think the audience know, right? Mm. I mean, yeah, they do. Even if, even if they don't know it intellectually, like I think a lot of people do go to the concerts just to hear something that sounds like what they they hear in CDs and things like that, and so they can have a certain kind of uh, knowledge in in a sense of like, okay, this sounds right, mm. and therefore it's a good concert, you know. 
Um, but then there are also concerts where mistakes happen and you know end pin slips or <laughs> or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And and the audience would still cry or mm. whatever yeah. at the end. That's that is for me is much more interesting and much more worthwhile. Sure. Um, yeah. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. He like yeah. mentioned a very important part, which is like delivering, like you know, communicating with the audience also, mm-hmm. and not and like you know, and it start from the group itself first. Like at first, it's like you are personal level, and then to the group, and then to the audience. And if like the yeah. connection kind of lost at one point, it can't deliver like fully. Mm. It's yeah. really important. Yeah. Right. That's that's awesome. It is. Yeah. So what was like the best experience, I guess, like in terms of concert, since you have been given so many Ooh. of them? Like, do you have any favorites that you would like to share? Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. Um, like most memorable or like I love performing this venue or mm-hmm. anything that you like kind of pop up in your head? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, th- there are, there are quite a few. I mm-hmm. I tend to remember a lot of things. Uh, remember all the good ones and bad ones, <laughs> like in <laughs> in specific details and stuff. Mm. Um, but uh, again, in in general, the ones that I felt like the audience really enjoyed it, and uh, and therefore we also enjoyed it. Um, again, were always the ones where where as a group we connected before we performed mm. um and like since coming to europe um actually our teacher in in norway uh Ari Sandbakken, he is the he was the former violist of oslo string quartet and he is the most wonderful person and um the most positive as well and he always well not always now but uh he usually started our sessions with like breathing exercises and mm. he would have all these like there's one where it boosts your confidence and it basically you have to like jump up and down and slam your chest and say <laughs> i i i i and things like that. <laughs> yeah it's really it's really wonderful and he's like uh, almost two meter tall, wow. <laughs> uh, two meters tall, and he, wow. yeah, he's, he's a tall guy, uh, the most really wonder, most wonderful man. Um, and um, because of him, we started this ritual before we go on stage where we would do the breathing exercise together. And and it it doesn't matter where we are, and like um, we would do it. And you know, mm. and people would kind of look at us like, "What is this?" Like, it's <laughs> they're crazy. Kind of cult, because <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like it just looks weird. Yeah, they've lost um, it. The nerves have gotten to them. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, it it makes a huge difference. Because um, mm. I, I think it also, you know, like breathing is good for you anyway. Mm. But breathing as a group, and when you you go up on stage and you feel this pulsation or whatever like you you feel like you're on the same page you're yeah. the same wavelength that makes sense um, yeah and there were some concerts where 
you know, we did not do. And right away, it, it, the difference was crazy. Like right away, we started with different tempo mm. uh, oh, and things like that. It's like, wait, this hasn't happened in a while. <laughs> like, huh. and, and it really is this like um, basically getting yourself to be more sensitive and more receptive basically mm. to, to others. Um, yeah, so it's funny, but like every single concert that we did that uh, here in Europe, the, it, it was always a blast for That's us cool. and, and the audience. Um, wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, and in the past, like we've, we've had that before, but we didn't know what made it that way. Um, mm -hmm. There was one concert in D.C., um we did i think it was like 2017 or something um that was also like one of the best we've played i think and and it was because like we were quite tense before the rehearsal and just like nothing was in tune and all these things and um and finally we were like can we just do this extremely slowly like painfully slow um and we were doing uh, mozart 421 D minor, and I remember it was last movement that we rehearsed before the concert, and it was it was like I don't I don't even know like eight times as slow as the tempo or something. It was crazy slow, um, mm. but that kind of put us in the state of mind where we really like listen to each other. Sure. Mm. Um, and yeah, that that was still I think one of the best concerts we played. Not that it was like had no mistakes or whatever, but it it really felt like we heard how we were sounding in the room mm. um the timings were different from what we had done before uh and all those things and and after the concert like yeah everyone basically agreed that that was something different mm. and so yeah i think it's going back to what i mentioned in the beginning that i feel like for myself, this can only happen if I play with people that I have connections with. Mm. <laughs> I like you that. Know, like, yeah, because, yeah, I, I, th I think that's that's extremely important. Yeah, I agree. I agree too, yeah. and it makes perfect sense. Mm. That was so nice. I was yeah. just listening so hard. I'm like, wow, <laughs> tear in my eye. Um, so um, I guess let's roll the clock back a bit. And yeah. uh, I've always been really curious about how did you pick violin mm -hmm. and how did you start? Um, and then we'll move on to your schools abroad after that. But specifically, um, yeah, why did you pick violin? Um, I, I think it's mainly because of my, my dad. Um, I think he yeah, always loved violin music, I think, specifically. Mm. Uh, he had, if I remember correctly, like two albums that for sure I remembered. One was um, David Nadian. Um, I think it was like on a bunch of on-calls uh, pieces mm. or something like that. Um, and the other one was something by um, Isaac Stern. Um, mm. And this was like the cassette tape mm. day. Sure. <laughs> um, and I think also 
uh, that was like the period of time where science had told parents that if your kids, if your kid listen to music while you know they're in your your belly, then um, then they'll come out smarter. Yeah. <laughs> and so they had my parents had planned for me to be like doctors and uh, dentists or whatever, and. <laughs> backfired but they played <laughs> they played you too much music so. <laughs> it was too much um yeah and and i i think my mom said that i would always be kind of intrigued by by music mm. Mm. when i was young um like i might be crying or doing something you know i might be misbehaving or whatever and if, if i hear some kind of classical music then i'll kind of kind of calm down and listen mm. or something oh like that. My gosh. I don't know if that was uh, made up. <laughs> <laughs> She's listening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. And, and so like, um, I think when I was seven or eight years old, mm-hmm. the Bangkok Symphony Orchestra had this, they, they just opened a new school uh, and they had brought um, a bunch of teachers from Netherlands, I think, mm. um, if I can remember. Yeah. Um, and so my mom was just like, oh, this, this is a, you know, it's a good idea um, mm. to start just because like she, I think always, she didn't want me to have a Thai teacher just because with the culture and everything, it's hard to switch mm. from one Thai teacher to another. Right. Oh. Because then it's just like it seems disrespectful. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, and and I think my mom and therefore myself, we are we are big believers of of not staying put for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like when I started having lessons with with the teachers from Netherlands, like basically I had a new teacher every year, oh. or sometimes every six months. It was it's crazy. I think I had like eight teachers in five years or something. Oh wow. my god. So they yeah. would come and go like in Thailand, yeah. have a concert, to stay for like a couple months and you would study with them and then yeah. new people would come in like that. Right. Oh That's so interesting. Yeah. And it, it's 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 kinda cool also because the, um my parents didn't didn't know anything about about music. Uh and but then of course my mom would be in the lessons with with me because mm. I didn't understand English and things like that. Um, I I didn't quite I I don't quite remember the first couple of teachers except from like a couple of like glimpses of <laughs> of bad memories no. <laughs> from the from the first teacher. Um, but then um, from then on, like I think from the second year on or something like that, I remembered kind of the general the general things that I learned from each one of them. Like I mm. remember this this guy named Martin. Um there were two Martins. One with a mustache. <laughs> That's <laughs> all I remember. I don't remember his last name or anything. And he was really big on um teaching me positions. Mm-hmm. And like I had to go through first position, second position, third, and really like familiar familiarize myself with each one of them. Okay. Um, um, and then uh, there's another teacher who is 
actually a, a, also a great composer now. Uh, his name is Edward Top. Last name is Top. <laughs> it's a very happy coincidence. Cool. Yeah. It's one of my yeah. It's one of my favorite teachers ever, and he really made me have fun. Basically, that was like the priority, and I remember like really looking forward to each new pieces uh, in in Suzuki, um, and I I learned to vibrate with him, and and it was my initiation. Like I saw you know some older students doing it, and I was like. Like how do you do that? And I remember going in and and did it sideways, <laughs> because nothing came out, um, didn't come out right. Um, and yeah, he he really made it fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was another one from um, from Australia. Her name is like Natasha Stanley. I, for some reason, I just remember all the names. Um, and and most of what we did was dual. Mm. Um, and so I learned how to, you know, to listen and, mm. and even though I didn't know I was doing that, <laughs> I think, but like, <laughs> yeah, I think that really helped, uh, in many ways. And I think the, the one that made the biggest, uh, difference in my life, I, I would say, and, uh, you know, maybe I'll send this podcast to him, <laughs> but like she was, um, really eccentric. An, an eccentric woman uh, and uh, her name is uh, Gertie and she's from Belgium and she really n- knew how to like get you to be expressive mm. um, and like in in maybe her methods sometimes seems a little bit out there or whatever you know like um, but yeah she she knew how to like <laughs> in in some ways like push my buttons mm. um and like because i i was playing a piece called allegro brillante or whatever and uh and it needed to have like you know um a lot of power and anger in in some sense and things like that and of course like she would say like, oh, you know, you're Thai, you're polite, blah, blah, blah. but when you're on stage, you can't, you can't do that. Like you have to be someone else and all these mm-hmm. things. And I remember she would like, um, in, in a nice way, there, there was nothing abusive or anything, but, but would kind of make fun of me and like made me angry mm, okay. basically. And I remember the first moment when I was like, oh my God, no, like I'm going to do this. Um, and yeah, and it came out, and she was just like, "Yes, that's that's what you have to do." And huh. so, like, um, yeah, so I I started to see that it's not it's not just like playing the right notes and making nice sounds, you know, but it it it's about conveying real emotions. And and I remember her giving me Beethoven Romance, uh, the F major one. Love that one. Um, and she was just like this will have to wait. Like you have to fall in love and all these things. Otherwise you can't play. And I was just like, I didn't understand, you know, back then I, I played the notes and it sounded kind of like the recording and just like, Oh, what else is there to do? Right. <laughs> you know, but, um, of course, like she's right. And, um, uh, a few years later, actually, I went to stay with her, um, in Belgium for like three months. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like 17 preparing for, schools in Europe and 
I got into a school in uh, in Maastricht, uh, Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Visa didn't work out, but that, well, that that's uh... that that comes later. But <laughs> um, yeah, but basically that's kind of my journey in in Thailand. That um, I had a lot of teachers. I actually, uh, yeah, up until I was fifteen, and that's when it felt like it's probably the right time to to go abroad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's that's when I left for Hong Kong. Yeah. So what made you like decide that you should go to Hong Kong? Like specifically, why Hong Kong? I mean, I I kind of know like it was kind of a lot of people w- were going there at that time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I th- I think it was in some ways um, back then it was the the best. Kind of transitional institute in a way, because um, mm-hmm. it's not too far from home. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only like two or three hours away, and um, so I could come back home often, and my parents could visit. Um, yeah, and of course, like um, there was already some kind of a connection that was built throughout the years between between the. APA and mm-hmm. and and Thailand and um, of course like it would have been ideal if like I had gone to the states right away or Europe or whatever but then one of my parents would have to move with me and things mm-hmm. like that it, it just gets too complicated and um, so yeah back mm-hmm. then I think was that was the a good move in in all kinds of senses. Um, were there already young, other yeah. like Thai musicians in yep. APA already at that time? Yeah. Um, so back then there was uh, there were um, P P Pan and P Kom San. Right. Oh. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, he, yes. he knew P Kom San. I do. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So so Fun two guy. of them like kind of already went there. So that's how yeah. you knew about it, like about APA. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically, and and you know like they also took great care of me and they helped me a lot and um yeah it's it's nice to have your seniors kind of um keep an eye on you mm-hmm. in case you misbehave and, <laughs> and things like that um yeah and the, of course i can't imagine was, you misbehaving oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's let's leave that out <laughs> no, but, i um, mean it must be scary to be like a 15 year old and moved yeah. to a different country like by yourself right because you mentioned like your parents didn't move with you oh yeah it it was um it, it was hard for sure and and my parents were, were also really protective of me mm-hmm. um growing up and i i would say now still as well but of course i'm a grown <laughs> adult now <so laughs> it's a little bit in a in a different sense but um I remember they flew with me to Hong Kong for like a couple of days and they were going to fly back. School mm-hmm. started, was going to start on Monday. It was like Saturday and I remember crying. <laughs> it was like crying really badly and my mom cried and all the things. Mm. And so I ended up flying back with them for a day. <laughs> That's like, so cute. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was crazy. Um, and yeah, I flew back the, the next day and... and that Are was you're... actually really a great 
learning experience because mm -hmm. all well not all but most of my mistakes that i've made in my life was made in hong kong ah. um, and both you know it's so it's like i would say both personally and uh, musically <laughs> it's just like because you were 15 you know you're alone for the first time and i remember like i think before hong kong i never slept um later than 11 let's mm -hmm. say like 10 30 it's like oh my god that's crazy mm -hmm. um and of course like you alone you have your own computer you have games uh, i was into like football manager which is <laughs> crazy and you can play like for hours and hours and so it, I, I remember like the first time i slept at 2 a.m or whatever i'm just like oh this is crazy blah, blah, blah. and then the next day it became three it became four <laughs> <laughs> you know, we became five. I, I did an all-nighter like very often and things like that and missed a whole bunch of classes. Um, it was just bad. <laughs> it was really bad. <laughs> uh, I did practice a lot because... Um, well, that's good. I, I think like, yeah. Uh, I, I think I, I always kind of enjoyed the discovery part, uh, you know, of, of things. Uh, mm -hmm. of of music and and violin um and so like any tricks or whatever i learned i would like really be into it i'm not and marilyn knows this um i'm not uh i'm not very good with finishing projects <laughs> me too pieces it's like, oh my god you wouldn't believe <laughs> but because like for example tchaikovsky concerto i did first two movements Sibelius, oh, well, Sibelius, I did finish the whole thing, but like Brahms, I did first two movements. Um, Shostakovich, I did one, three, four, uh, basically anything except, uh, everything except the second movement. Sure. <laughs> I, I just have a whole list of concertos where I just like did a couple movements. You don't off. have one? <laughs> <laughs> Never performed them, and it's just, it's bad. It's really bad. Um, yeah, and, but yeah, I enjoyed the, discovering things and trying new sounds and all these things and so i would like spend all the times on that and not applying it <laughs> to pieces um yeah um but yeah it, it was it was it's a it's a good experience because like i said all the mistakes i made i made there and like um mm. especially in orchestra like ah. i have no idea how to play in an orchestra uh mm even though I was like in Thai youth orchestra since I was 11, mm -hmm. I had played with the Bangkok Symphony Orchestra a few times already and things like that. But like, I remember we, we did, um, what did we do? I, yeah, we did a piece by John Adams and it was kind of a collaborative project with the Hong Kong Phil. Mm -hmm. And I was luckily, uh, lucky enough to be one of the few students who were chosen to play with Hong Kong Phil in one of the pieces. And it was John Adams, and I forgot the name of the piece, but there's this one whole page where it's like harmonics high up, and it's just like boom, 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 boom. And of course, like the, the pattern changes all the time, things like that. <laughs> and I remember after the concert, um, I, I, I mean, I worked really hard on it. It was like, and I felt like I, knew it pretty well but after the mm -hmm. concert um i talked to 
ที่คมสัน and he was just like oh that one page of the harmonics like you were your bow was the only one that didn't match it up with any, oh no <laughs> with anyone like basically for what like two minutes straight like it was so clear that I had no idea what's going on yeah that that was bad um yeah and but because of that like you know having no idea what to do but still being thrown into the you know the deep end uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. I kind of had to like figure out what to do mm. um, and by the end of it I had a had a better idea basically and when I was in Oberlin then it was much easier in some ways because there's just like yeah like all the mistakes that everyone was doing around me like I did this professionally <laughs> a couple of years ago <laughs> so yeah so yeah That, that that was good. So were you doing like a pre-college or something program at APA, or was it also mm. like a? Yeah, well, that's the other thing. Um, I didn't finish high school. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not at that time. Were you in um, like a Thai high school, like at the time, or like international school in Thailand? I was in. Yeah, I was at the Haro International school. school. I see. Um, Yeah, my parents were the mastermind of the whole thing. Like they, yeah. they knew since I was, I think, yeah, I started playing when I was eight. Um, mm-hmm. And by the time I was 11, I think we are, had already decided that I, this is what I was going to do for a living. Mm. Um, wow. So um, I actually uh, went to a girl's school, Rajini <laughs> Bon. Oh, um, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, up until I was in sixth grade basically and that's when all the guys have to have to leave have to leave mm, yeah um, yeah <laughs> and then and then i went to yotin burana uh-huh. but they because they have this program where it's all thai syllabus but taught in english right english program yeah, yeah the english program so right. yeah that was a preparation to studying abroad basically your house must be kind of closest to mine <laughs> I always drove by the school because I oh. I went to San Francisco Sevilla Convent in uh-huh. Samsein, but my house is around Paramjet, so I always drive oh, I around, yeah around there. So I don't know. I, uh, yeah. Where do you live? Uh, I live. Where do I live? <laughs> 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 I haven't been home in so long. <laughs> um, I think it's uh, Prashashun. Prashashin, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's really close right. to uh, yeah, exactly. the, the house. That should be our one-minute oh advertisement clip for That's Instagram. So Where do I live? Where do I live? <laughs> <laughs> Because Prashashin is... I'm going to these pills for Alzheimer's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but... Like his house is probably like you know a couple of stations away because now now they have like all the sky right. train and stuff. It's a mm. couple of stations away from my house, and yeah, yeah. I I I always like have to pass all those schools you mentioned yeah. when I went to school. That's awesome. That's really cool. <laughs> but it's a but small city. yeah, it's a small city. <laughs> but your parents are really well. First, like very open minded too. That you know, yeah. when you decided you want to do music, and they just kind of put you into all the environment that you needed. Yeah, exactly. And I, like, uh, I mean, like for yeah. me, like when I was like twenty, twenty, twenty-one, I like had almost the same chance, like you know, 
was going was deciding if I want to go to APA or not. But when my mom mm-hmm. was like, no, 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 so I had to stay. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you know, I I think it's it kind of it's it's important to know that um, that they want the best, uh, you know, for you and and things like that. And, and I I think my yeah my parents. Um, mainly want me to be happy and a good person. <laughs> I think that's like the main two things. Like uh, I, I didn't need to be good at what I do and things like that. And it just, yeah. Um, and yeah, they, they really planned it out really well. because So I spent a couple of years um, at Yotin. Um, mm-hmm. And then I got offered the scholarship to, to go to Harrow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's even better because, like, um, I was on a music scholarship, so actually <laughs> I was obligated to bring my violin to school. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, um, and, and actually practice during, like, lunch hours and, and breaks and stuff like that. Um, uh, and they had school orchestras or, or one orchestra, of course. Um, and Yotin, of course, like, you have none of those. Right. Um, like, most... High schools, I feel like mm-hmm. it's not that music is not a big part of it, and so Harold was a big help. Um, and of course, like uh, at Yotin, like it was even though everything was taught in English, um, the teachers, I mean, half the teachers were still Thai back then, mm-hmm. anyway. Um, right. But Harold is like you're surrounded by by Brits. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's it's awesome and there was even a talk uh of uh having me do like an exchange exchange um semester or term they would say in mm-hmm. uh in england mm. oh um but that was that that thought was too scary for me at the sure. time uh-huh. like, you know, yeah but i just came back from england and i was just like hey, i wish i had done it <laughs> like, yeah. um but yeah basically um so i was Still at Harrow, and then um, the offer came from from APA, mm-hmm. and um, the dean at the time, who sadly passed away a few years after that, I think um, mm. uh, he that was to be his last year, and mm. so they were saying like, um, uh, you know, we don't know what was gonna happen afterwards. Like maybe they'll keep it going, maybe not. So this might be your last chance. So I was like. Yeah, then I'll I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, like everyone thought I was crazy because I only had one year left before I graduated uh, um, high school. High school. Mm. Yeah, and with the, um, yeah, it it was just kind of a seems like a crazy move, but I've done a few, a few of those a few times in my life, <laughs> um, but like I think for my family, it's just like you try to see what's the most important thing to you um, and then you you go you go for it sure um, mm. yeah so we did that yeah um, so I left for yeah I was in Hong Kong for two years and that was also when I decided like okay I needed to to move mm. switch places again okay and then next came Oberlin um, yeah actually technically it was but um, it was towards the end of my second year uh, in Hong Kong, and I met 
this teacher from Netherlands, um, Theodora um, Gerrits, and she, I hope I pronounced her name right. <laughs> it's, it's Dutch. Um, and I, I had a few lessons with her in Thailand and it just blew me away. Like mm. um, the kind of things that she um, was able to teach me in such short times. And it was, I felt like, whoa, this is completely different. Um, and so that's when I decided, okay, I'm leaving Hong Kong. Um, and I would then have a gap year, but I would spend a couple of months or three months or whatever at home first, and then I'll fly, uh, to stay with Gertie, uh, my Belgian teacher, um, mm. and stayed with her for three months while I take lessons, mm -hmm. uh, with Theodora. And it was like quite intense. It was like two lessons a week. Um, and each lesson would be like two to three hours. Wow. And I, I still remember like. Um, she made these like um, basically mm, repertoire kind of list in in some ways, and she said that you all you should always have um, two lists, like you know list A and list B, and list uh, each one should have you know a Bach, uh, a concerto, uh, an etude, a showpiece, and mm -hmm. possibly a sonata. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember like we list them all out and, um, I think my first lesson I played like two, uh, don't etudes, mm -hmm. um, Song Havanese, uh, Mendelssohn Concerto, um, and Bach, I think A minor, D minor. Um, In one lesson? Remember. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> It was intense, and then it, wow. it's like, um, and I, 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 I don't know if it's like my English was broken or, or there was like loss in translation or something. But um, she said that um, then you you practice the A repertoire um, for two or three days, and then you switch to the B repertoire. Okay. And I was just like, wow. what? <laughs> like, how right. am I supposed to do that? And I remember actually, I ended up learning song poem in two days because I thought that that's what she wanted me to do but actually she meant like do two days of A two days of or three days of A three days of B and then switch back switch back so you, I see yeah so it doesn't get stale but ah. because I didn't know I managed to put that together in, in you thought you days. had to finish in three days oh wow yep. oh my. Um, but uh, yeah but after I knew that oh that's that's not a, it's it's just a misunderstanding then after that I'm just like okay that's I don't need to learn that fast um yeah but basically that that really I think that's when I improve the most like mm. in three months and and I remember like after flying back home my mom was just like in love with my sound Ah. for the for the first time cool. <laughs> something because like um i i think Theora wasn't wasn't too concerned with playing loud but it was all about like like pulling out the best tone of oh, okay. each and every note and, mm. and i remember like spending days and weeks and like just 
doing, you know, plucking the string and then trying to get the same sensation with the bow. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I would be practicing at home. And like I said, Gertie is very eccentric and she sometimes can be very extreme. And she would make me um, plan out my practice like by the hour. Yeah. The whole day. Yeah. Um, and I have to follow it to a T. Like ah. that was like, um, and I think every morning at 7.30, there will be breakfast downstairs. And it's like humongous. Every day, it's just like a huge bowl of cereal and maybe like six sandwiches or something like that. I, I gained <laughs> like 15 pounds. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, um, yeah, and I had to follow it. Uh, really religiously and and her office is kind of right outside my practice room and I remember working on the sound like I said for weeks and I I couldn't quite get it until one time I was doing Mendelssohn concerto and I I played this E on the D string and I did it and I heard the ring and I was just like oh like that sounded right and she came she ran right into the room and just like that's it (laughs) and like that's great uh, yeah it amazed me like how how people can tell what you're trying to work on <laughs> and like they can from downstairs the yeah <laughs> yeah or whatever yeah exactly and um that's this yeah that, that was quite an intense experience but i i learned a lot and improved improved a lot like i said got into um a couple of schools chose uh, maastricht mm-hmm. and uh yeah for some reason visa kept mm. getting rejected it was wow. the weirdest thing. I, oh. I didn't, to this day, I don't know what happened. Um, oh. And I remember being depressed. Like, mm. actually, because I, I, had, I came back from, from Europe in April. Um, and there were two other Thai uh, uh, students, um, seniors, uh, who were also applying for the same program and I think they went they went for the audition in April mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they got they got their visas maybe in June or something like that like it was quite oh. a quick turnaround and and for me it was like I, I think yeah August I was still waiting oh, and school wow. was starting in a month um, and I yeah I got the first letter saying that like we needed more financial uh, proof or whatever that's, that's weird yeah um, so we you know we sent them more you know documents or whatever um, mm-hmm. until I, I think it was like October and it, it was still like I, I think actually at that point I was already rejected if I remember correctly and then it said that oh. like you can appeal for it or whatever right um, and I, of course I was like like I said I was depressed and wasn't really practicing and all these things and then Mm. um we heard that oberlin well oberlin manhattan peabody and frost i think Mm. they were the four schools that did the the asian tour thing yeah so they yeah i i I heard that they were coming in 10 days ah um there'll be an audition and i was just like i hadn't been practicing (laughs) (laughs) my mom's just like yeah you should have been practicing all this time (laughs) <laughs> yeah. um, and so I like had to like you know put everything together in 10 days and so I, I 
practice like six hours a day, mm. really like. Um, but you were used yeah. to learning poem in two days. In two, so. Exactly. I was yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was a good <laughs> exercise for this <laughs> moment. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. And so, so I, um, got into, to the, it's, it's funny. I got into all the schools, but, uh, well, actually I didn't apply for Frost because they were like, like, we are, our string department at this time is not very strong. <laughs> you mm. might consider, you know, other schools instead or something. And so we like, oh, okay. I appreciate, you know, um, you were saving me a, a couple hundred dollars right. <laughs> for the application. <laughs> Um, so I applied to uh, Peabody, Manhattan, and Oberlin. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, at that time, like, I didn't know anyone. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know any of the teachers and things like that. So it was just all about, like, going to a place that gives me the most scholarships. Sure. Right. Yeah. And that was Oberlin. Um, yeah. And I think Marilyn emailed me. It was like February or something, and then it's like, oh, would whatever uh, would like to have you in my studio. That's her move. Um, yeah, her move. Yeah. yeah, she did that to me, and I also know another friend. She she finds the people she wants. She sends them an email like, "You did so well, <laughs> marketing." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it makes a difference. Yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah, because like, um, there's some kind of connection already, you know, being made and. Um, my mom also noticed that I work better with female teachers. Sure. Mm. Yeah. And she was the only female teacher. Uh, at the time, yeah. Time yeah, at the time. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Then there's some other people. Yeah, at the time for sure. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's how I chose Oberlin. Mm. Nice. Nice. It it seems like it's like last resort kind of thing. <laughs> and, no. <laughs> and it it kind of was, but at the same time, like I remember um my dad did a lot of research on Oberlin and just like, oh, they seem to produce a lot of uh um chamber musicians over the year. Ah. Um mm. so I was just like actually, you know. So you knew even back then that you wanted to do chamber music or like being in a quartet specifically. Yeah, I I, oh, I cool. think so. Like that was always kind of the goal, and I I still remember because I did a lot of quartet in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. um, and then some teachers were saying that like, you know, like, yeah, you can do quartet, but you you still have to take care of your solo rep and all these things. Like you can't learn everything from quartet repertoire, and he's right, mm-hmm. of course, but, um, but. I I still remember like no I really want to really want to do quartet and that's um, nice yeah and yeah of course right away in in Oberlin I put together um oh that well that one I didn't put together I got put in a group um with uh, three other people who became my good friends as well uh-huh. yeah continuing the trend <laughs> nice um, yeah and. Yeah, I I think we we never did it seriously. Um, people kept asking us to do fish off and things like that. And just like, um, because I I think all of us were gonna graduate, uh, in different years and stuff like that. So we uh-huh. we all knew it wasn't gonna be a permanent group. Sure. Yeah. Um, cool. But, well, 
Yeah, what was the... Uh, oh, go ahead, actually. I don't want oh, to no, interrupt. Actually, yeah. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to ask you, you mentioned specific things that you learned from all your teachers in your pre-college years. So what do you think was the, was the you know, crown jewel of, of what you learned at Oberlin? Not just from Maryland, but just from being there. Um, I would I would say be yourself. I, yeah, I think Oberlin is it's just that is the place everyone is being themselves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And yeah, I like I I especially feel that way. I mean, in terms of music, like with with Maryland, just because like I don't know if you had the same experience, but I felt like she was never too hands-on with technical stuff. Yeah. She would know what you need to do, but not give you the, the answer. Ah, yeah, yeah. Kind of thing and, and kind of slowly guide you. And, and what I heard, one of the phrases I heard the most is that you need to have your own packet, mm. you know, your, your own toolbox and things like that. And um, it's not like... Um, you know, sometimes I wish I had this and sometimes I am just like, okay, I wish uh, it's, it's fine the way it is. But some teachers have their set way of yeah. playing, right? Yeah. And all their students play the same way. Mm. Um, and... Not Marilyn. She was very attentive. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, she... Not Marilyn at all. Yeah. I, think, I think it was Elliot. It was either Elliot or Rand. I can't remember which one of them told me or said this that uh that she always knows the right time to say the right thing to you to yeah. to figure out what what you need in that moment and so she's very good at figuring out if you know let's say you play through something and it's just atrociously out of tune or something but if she thinks like this is not the time for them to hear that they're going to grow a little more if i do push them in this way or something like that. She's, she's very smart. She was always thinking and trying to connect with you personally. And again, like what you were talking about with being in a quartet, you know, mm. feeling the person walk into the room. I always felt like if I walked in there with heavy feet, she would know right away. <laughs> yep. yeah. 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 I miss her a lot. You know, she's retiring this year. Yeah. I heard. Yeah. It's I, I kept hearing that she would retire like for the past couple of years that's that's true finally happening that's that's a sad day for for us students you know she always talked about you <laughs> serious it was probably once every two or three weeks in a lesson oh. and i had never met you when i was at oberlin because mm -hmm. you left right before i got there i got there in august 2011 but oh. you know it was all of us it was four years of who is this top she keeps talking about top <laughs> well i hope it's not so uh that she she spoke very highly of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We we had some we had some intense moments all because of me, but <laughs> yeah, I I really uh, she's one of the the best teachers I I had. For sure. Same. Like and not just musically but in in life. I I would say like yeah, a lot a lot of things that she said just like you said that it was like always at the right time she knew how she knew when to 
give you a big punch in the face. That's right. Uh, yeah. And then she knew when to not say things and and like I still remember a couple of times that I, I yeah I still remember how it felt and I remember the moment and stuff. But like one of the times was the Jasper Quartet was in town. I don't know if this is relevant at all, but um, and Jay Fry Vogel was was in the studio class and I was just like you know like not feeling inspired that day in terms of playing and all these things just oh jay is here i'm not gonna play well no and i um play grave from the a minor um sonata and i remember like playing it and not well of course and like but more importantly with a bad attitude ah um and after I finished playing, she was just like, so what, what, what were you thinking? Like, what, what was going on in your mind or whatever? And I was like, I just wanted to get it. I just wanted to get it over with. Ah. Mm. And she was like, you can tell <laughs> she was furious. And I she's know, like, yeah. is that, yeah. And she just went like, is that what an artist would say? And I was just like, whoa, that, <laughs> yeah, good point. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Wow. Um, things like that, and um, and I remember, I, and um, after I played Sibelius Concerto, you know, um, with the orchestra, it it was like that was rough for me, like with the whole experience, because like I I learned the concerto. Uh, the way I always did, which is incompletely. Oh. <laughs> um, and just luckily enough, um, in in the competition, I played quite well. Okay. Um, and also, the time ran out in the third movement right before I played all the thirds. Ah, okay. Yeah. I mean, the thirds wasn't the worst part for me, but it's like the tenths and stuff afterwards. But, um, but... I felt like I won um, in a way that I, I didn't I didn't deserve to win kind of uh, feeling because um, like I wasn't really prepared and all these things and and the performance that I gave was actually the very first time that I played the concerto through without stopping. Wow! I actually had never <laughs> ran it, um, and it was also the first time I played without the music. Like even in the last dress rehearsal, I was still using. Oh wow! Uh, wow. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, it it was not good. You must have given <laughs> a really good impression of that first page, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, the first page was great, and then it just went downhill. Um, yeah. And I, um, not right after the concert, of course, like she came to me and just like that was the best you've ever played, and all those things. And I think I was like so happy that I got through it without without messing up uh mm. you know and so i was just like yeah it I, I was just like so excited about how for the first time it felt like things moved in you know how like in the in some people in some performances that you experience time differently yeah mm -hmm. you feel like it moves slower and things like that and i i felt like i was in control of of most things and things like that and i was sure I was yeah like saying that to her um and it was a few years after when I went back and I either I went back and visit her or when she was um um subbing for Kivok 
at IU that it came up, that performance came up, and Marilyn was just like, you know, like that wasn't your best performance, but blah blah, blah. and like <laughs> <laughs> she kind of said it casually, um, forgetting that like, what she said years earlier. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, and like. A part of me was just like maybe I should be angry, but actually, like that was the moment I appreciated her and loved her even more. It was mm. just like wow, like, like I I don't think I, I I yeah I definitely didn't think that I played amazingly, um, and had she like said it like well, good job, but that wasn't your best. Like uh-huh. right after the performance, then yeah. I think that would have killed me. Yeah, right. you know, yeah, and the fact that she was so encouraging and things like that—it was just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think that's what I mean by she. She knew what to say, Precisely. what would be best for you at what time. Yeah, and she, you know, probably planned or loosely planned in the future. Like, yeah, you know, later on, it's it's right. better that they know this yeah. later. <laughs> but in, in mean, the moment, yeah. it gives you a, a huge confidence boost. It probably helped for the. The rest of the year, your senior recital, and yeah, for sure. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and then you and then you went to IU afterward, right? Yeah. After Oberlin. Um, that was also like one of the few things that uh, <laughs> I had intense discussion with Marilyn, uh, um, which is the fact that like it was the day before the, all the deadlines uh, uh-huh. of the schools and stuff. And then she found out that I only applied to CIM. That was the only school I applied to. Oh. Yeah, and she was like, she was so mad. Um, and she was like, yeah, like you need to, basically she made me sit down and apply for IU at least. Okay. Mm-hmm. And cause she knew Kivok and she said that, you know, he's, really good teacher and uh, and I was just like yeah you know like I, w- I had heard of Mr. Uh, Paul Cantor um, mm. for for years and so I was just like yeah I, I'm gonna do I'm gonna apply to CIM you know and um, and didn't have any backup mm. or anything basically mm. uh, and she thought that was crazy <laughs> mm. um, and yeah so I applied to both schools and again, like for me, sometimes practicality comes first and IU were able to offer me more money. Sure. Mm. Um, and I remember uh, accepting the offer from IU and, and um, Paul Cantor called me <laughs> and it was just like, oh, so, you know, blah, blah, blah and like um, asked me about about the whole offer thing and I was just like oh I actually already offered uh accepted the the offer from from IU and because like CIM gave me like half or something like that and he was just like oh uh, it's like you know this kind of things like you you have to fight for it uh, it's not it's not about the first offer you know and I was just like I no I don't I didn't know <laughs> right. oh. so, and, yeah but he ended up moving to Rice the year mm-hmm. after so I think I think it was probably a good idea. I mean, I mm. love Kibok, so mm. it it was a great um, move for me. Anyway, yeah. Cool, and that's where Sora Quartet started. That's right. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So and I guess same question about Indiana. What was the what was the general thing that you took away from your time in Bloomington? Um Well, I mean, obviously, like, Sora Quartet is... Quartet started, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think Evoked think really helped me find, uh, like, ways to express myself a little bit clearer. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit more of a combination of what I, I said I wanted which is a more of a set way. Sure. Um, and he has his methods and uh, he didn't change me that much in terms of technique or whatever, but um, I think I, I learned to listen differently. Mm. Um, um, yeah, and there were, I mean, you were also with Kevok, like you, you know how he teaches and it's, I think his love for music is also something that I really take a lot of inspiration from. Um, mm. It's like, you know, there are times in the lessons or even in studio class where he would show you how to play a phrase or whatever, and then he get caught up in it and he ends up playing like the whole movement uh-huh. <laughs> or like half a page or whatever. Um, mm. And like, and there are always like sparks in in his eyes when he talks about different characters and all these things. And mm. um, again, like I, I think Marilyn was so good with putting you in a place uh, where you come up with um, an appropriate um, interpretation, and like she she would. You know, in Mozart, this is what you would do, blah, 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 all these things. But what you want to say with it, it's up to you. Mm. You know, and and sometimes I felt a little bit lost in Oberlin. So it's not always easiest to kind of materialize or realize that, that vision, you know. Mm. Um, I think with Kivok, and it kind of fits the way I am a little bit. I'm slightly either a parrot or a sponge i'm not quite sure but i i rub off from people i study with um mm-hmm. and when he demonstrates it's uh, it really like most of what he plays really speaks to me ah okay um, I, I find his playing really moving and and personal and and all these things and so i i think that that's the biggest um change hmm. for, for myself Cool. Um, yeah, I, I wish I had recorded my lessons more, but um, mm. I would always write stuff down. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I had pages and pages of what he would, uh, you know, things yeah. he would say and things like that. And um, yeah, I, I think musically at IU, it was, it was, I guess, like learning how to sound more professional. Ah, I, yeah, I, that's I would a big say one. That yeah, because like at Oberlin, um, like I said, it was all about about being yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 
and people accepting you for for what you are and and at IU it started to be a little bit more like I, I guess because the school was so big mm-hmm. um not all the teachers would know you right. um and things like that and so like for example um to get a good seat in orchestra you have to sound a certain way with all uh-huh. the blind <laughs> blind auditions and yeah, things like right. that um yeah and yeah and i think i also like learned quite a few things from from other teachers you know, just mm-hmm. from classes and things like that from alex uh sure. alex Carr, georgia um um even folks who mm-hmm. i never played for um but just i i love asking people about their lessons and things like that and so ah yeah trying to um learn that way and, and IU had <laughs> such a huge faculty right. yeah. <laughs> yeah you know so like um yeah it, it it helped to kind of um learn in a in the broader sense I, yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. like I learned what I felt like I I understood a little bit more what it takes to be an orchestra player from uh-huh. Alex yeah. and Georgia for example yeah mm-hmm. um yeah and yeah I would say that that's the the step into the professional realm of, of things. That's, sure. That's what are you did? And also the Pacifica coaching quartets too. You must've oh. picked up a lot from those. hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes like I feel like Pacifica was such a big part of my life that I didn't associate them with, with IU. Yeah. It's almost <laughs> like a different face. Sure. All together. And, and yeah, I, I, yeah, Pacifica, um, the four of them at the time, anyway, um, they're all so different. Mm. You know, it's it's quite remarkable. And um, sometimes when you um, have coachings with other quartets, all the members kind of talk about the same things and uh, things like that. But like, you know, Sibi was just like one end of the scale. And then Masumi always talked about uh, really... Um, um, abstract ideas, mm-hmm. um, which I really loved. Mm-hmm. Um, always ins- found it really intriguing and inspiring. And Simin is kind of like a doctor, um, where she would know exactly what you are doing wrong, not just in particular spots, but in general. Mm. Mm. You know, like she gave the name like the Zora Swells. Because we did all these like hairpins that wasn't <laughs> that weren't written. <laughs> that is funny. Like, yeah, you you need to cut up the the Zora uh, swells and um, she would pick on my fingerings for not being creative enough and and then she would tell the rest of the group to be like, can you pick on him, you know? In rehearsals, <laughs> it's like you know, yeah, it's it's a lot about long term and Sibi is just like all about presenting your work in a, the most pleasant way ah, yeah. possible. And it, it's so great. If you do what he tells you to do, you will sound like high standard right away. Like, yeah. Uh, um, things like vibrate every note. It doesn't cost you anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it makes you sound better right away. Um, or like having the same tempo throughout the, the piece, um, quartet intonation and, you know, 
looking at each other and making sure things are together and things like that. And Brandon is just, he's just a, a positive vibe personified. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And he is a little bit like Kevok where he really is in, in the music all the time. Like he can be smiling and suddenly he talks about a character that is serious and his face just changed. Mm. Or he's like, seems a little tired or whatever. And he talks about, a beautiful passage and his eyes just light up and it, it's just he yeah all four of them really were basically our quartet parents that's um, so cool mm. yeah that's very nice yeah and when did when did you like go after iu again in new jersey um after iu went to curtis, um, curtis for a couple course, of years yes. yeah mm. mm -hmm. um yeah it was was going to be our first year concertizing with YCA as well, um, and so actually we ha had a really strong desire <laughs> to stay at IU um, mm. because it was it was already going to be a big change, right? Starting to perform uh, regularly and stuff like that, and, and Pacifica knew us really well, so we really wanted to stay, um, mm. basically. Um, so that, you know, they can help us through this transitional period. And, right. Um, but, um, yeah, luckily and very fortunately, we got into Curtis. And, of course, like, it's hard to turn down Curtis. And it was, yeah. like, my dream since I was 13. And all of things. course. Um, yeah, so we went to Curtis. But that, actually, that move was quite hard mm. um, on us just because, like, you know, we all moved to a new city. Mm. Uh, it was the first time for me and decided to really be in a, an actual city and not a college town. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Um, and um, Pablo and Zula, they, you know, moved to a, basically moved to a city where they don't have friends. Mm -hmm. um, they, they needed to take time to like, mm -hmm. you know, make new friends and all these things. And yeah, it, it, it was difficult. And I think the pressure... Not only the pressure of, of concertizing for the first time, um, but also the, the the pressure of being at Curtis. Mm -hmm. I of think course. those two things were like really hard on everyone. Ah, um, I see. Yeah, and yeah, it, it it was tough. I mean, of course, like we still learned so much, and mm -hmm. and um, all the faculty were just amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, like Pam Frank especially mm -hmm. like we got really close with and um, yeah, the, the actually a lot of stuff that she taught us basically paved way for us to, to come to the, uh, to Europe. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. Cause she's very much, um, I mean, she always said that she comes from uh, basically a line of pianists with her dad being Claude Frank and, um, and also the teaching of, Arthur Schnabel. Um, so she thinks like a pianist ah. in, in so many ways. And, and that opened up like a whole new ways of thinking of music. Um, hmm. uh, yeah. And yeah, Curtis was quite hard, but at the same time, really like valuable experience, most, mm -hmm. both musically and, and, you know, life wise. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, yeah. well, so we have 
we have a fair number of listeners who aren't really classical musicians. So I should mm-hmm. say um, when he's talking about Curtis, that's kind of like the Harvard of music, at least as, as far as music schools go. You could say Curtis or Juilliard. So there is totally that effect, I'm guessing, uh, as the, they, is it the Harvard effect or just, you know, people who were the top of their class everywhere they came from and then suddenly they're in Harvard and everybody's building robots and solving yeah. math theorems. And so it's really hard to suddenly be yeah. in the place where Hillary Hahn was 11 and walking around. <laughs> <laughs> so, Precisely. Right. That, that's, um, yeah. I mean, it's you know, you walk down the the hall in the in the main building, and there's these um, graduation photos from the very first year of oh. the and stuff, and you have like photos of Bernstein graduating. Cool. You have that's like more so Ashkenazi cool. and yeah. all, like it's it's a lot. It's a it's a quite a weight um mm. and and it's not like they are saying that like oh you have to be as as great as they are or something like that but but you do feel like you know like you you want you want to make sure that you don't feel like an imposter yeah you um, put that pressure on yourself right mm. Mm. um and i think <laughs> um yeah it's it's hard and also like coming from IU or like it's it's not about not about coming from IU but basically we're not we're not from Curtis you know like the mm. previous quartet the first quartet in that uh, quartet program was the Dover quartet yeah um, and <laughs> it's like those are four superstars already as endurance uh, students uh, at Curtis put together and so of course they're gonna feel like they belong. Yeah. Um, mm. uh, and then you have the Aizui Quartet, who, you know, members, uh, whose members went to Juilliard and Curtis. Mm-hmm. So you have people from the inside and people from Juilliard, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm sure they felt some kind of pressure or whatever, but. Um, They're used to it. It's the other Harvard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so like Juilliard and, and Curtis, I would say like, at least in the states, kind of stand on it on their own, like mm-hmm. the, the, like S tier, if you right. if you want to right. put it that way. Yeah. Um, and so, like, coming from IU is just well, like m- maybe we don't belong here, kind of kind of a feeling. Mm. And um, the practice rooms, of course, uh, were very well built in the new building. So mm-hmm. while you're in the practice room, you can't hear other people. But actually, oh. in the hallway, you can still hear people practicing. So like on the way to rehearsal or the, on the way to practice or whatever, you hear all these like kids, li- literally kids, <laughs> like <laughs> nailing Pagani caprices and running through Shostakovich uh, concerto like it's like a piece of cake and things like yeah. that. You know, it's just like ah, <laughs> oh, I, I can't. I'm gonna. I'm about to go in. To this room and struggle to play a scale, like, <laughs> <laughs> so it it it, it was it, it was hard in that sense. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, but you still you learn from like I said, you learn from the environment and you you get used to that high quality of playing. Mm-hmm. Um, to a to a sense where like uh, to an extent where I sometimes I would be, I think I, in the second year or something that. You are used to the st- 
standard. So you, you started to see it like, oh, okay, um, he sounds excellent, but he could have done this better. Oh. You know, and, and mm-hmm. then you start to form a, a, a different, um, you, yeah, you start to have a different standard of listening. Listening. Sure. Um, and I remember thinking of like, oh, the way he plays, you know, he seems a little bit young and all these things. He could have done this, could have done that, blah, blah, blah. And then I showed the performance uh, to like Kivok and Lee for example, and then they were like, oh my God, this kid is exceptional. Mm. <laughs> and then it gives you a perspective of like, oh, okay. So like, um, of course, like uh, once you're in this kind of environment, you have to adapt mm-hmm. and you have to think in a different standard and levels. And yeah, but, um, but of course, from the outside, like, like, like um, from IU perspective, like mm-hmm. these are all really outstanding students. Of yeah, course. Things like, and mm-hmm. I think for me that that shows why I, again oh, I, I like kind of looping back to <laughs> to old points that um, it's so important to keep moving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if you stay still, then you kind of get used to a certain standard, and you feel like okay, this is the best of the best. Mm. Even though that's, I mean. You, you can't really think of like music in terms of like best or worst or whatever anyway, mm-hmm. but, um, but you do. <laughs> and, and um, yeah, if you are stuck in one place for too long, then you kind yeah. of feel like, yeah, like, oh, I'm comfortable where I am. Right. You know, and, and if you're like, sometimes I feel like if I'm stuck in a place for too long and I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm towards the top of the foot food chain or whatever um you get comfortable you get comfortable you're there for too long and then all of a sudden you hear something completely different mm-hmm. uh some something of a much higher standard and you're like then you get depressed or discouraged in, yeah. in some ways because sure. it's like oh my god it's not only about like oh there's new ladders to climb but it's about like what have i been doing this past few years Mm. you know like i could have been climbing um and and it again it doesn't have to be about going up but it's more broadening the yeah. perspective mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so it it like I, it, it it's not like um like i had that experience when i when i arrived in oslo for example mm. and it's not like all norwegian decisions are way better than the ones in the states or whatever it's not like that at all but um, what I found was that they have, they all have different sound production to to, mm. to what I'm used to in the states. Yeah, mm. you know, like um, yeah, if you listen to like Frank and Henning Crackerroot, um, they have such full sound, uh-huh. but at the same time, it's always rounded and yeah. Um, while like like living in new york for example for a couple of years like i heard a lot of what i describe as like the juilliard sound yeah it's good to have like a um very distinct sound Mm -hmm. um but it's like very soloistic yeah um quite thick vibrato yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah brilliant kind of playing with lots of depth as well yeah um 
and so it's kind of nice to like not be stuck with like oh to sound good you have to sound that way yeah mm. yeah you know and so moving to norway it's just like oh, okay like this is different and it mm. also sounds good yeah mm. and then coming to vienna is also different like people it's a little bit more transparent sound here okay while still having a real core to the sound or something like that but but i also get a sense that no one is or not no one but most people are not concerned with projection yeah for example. and yeah yeah so again another perspective of sound that i can kind of choose yeah basically mm. like if if i want to um sound more like julia trained musicians in some pieces then maybe i can take that out from from the bank yeah um, mm. if, yeah if i want to sound a little bit more viennese then of course people here in the next semester we're going to france so hopefully we'll get some french, <laughs> french yeah sounds <laughs> yeah. that makes sense yeah 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 it makes total sense i remember when i was violin hunting a couple years mm. ago um they were saying that in the states anything that's like flat and bright and loud sells for more money in the states but mm. then anything that's kind of tubbier and rounder and therefore has like a darker sound but doesn't project and everything that does better in europe so yeah. that's exactly what you said yeah and it it's, makes sense too yeah yeah, yeah. my european think, friends are always complaining that american orchestras always change bow at the same time <laughs> that they can hear wait. it oh i see i see yeah that it's always like <laughs> too much articulation or something uh, right yeah i think uh, Masumi was the one who said this, and I, th I think it makes a lot of sense. But uh, he's he said that it has a lot to do with the halls, mm -hmm. uh, because the, the you know in Europe the acoustic is very different. Like we mm. play a lot in churches, and um, I mean of course the churches in the states as well, but they're also di built differently. They are. And yeah. The churches here are so uh, the reverb is crazy. Yeah, um, and. And the the hall as well. Like we've been, we played in a few different halls in in Europe, and yeah, it, it feels like you can whisper and people can hear you. So yeah, it's, it's definitely. Fine. And so there's no need to to project so much. And sure, um, I remember playing like Alice Tally Hall, for example, did this thing with the uh, um, German Music Society, um, mm -hmm. and I remember Arno Steinhardt was telling us like. Like tum pa pa da rum pa da di da 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 rum. Like the tum pa pa, he said you have to put an accent on, on the sixteen note. Mm -hmm. uh, and he said it's not musical. It's it's very unmusical, but you have to do it so that people can hear the little notes. Mm. Ah, you know, and and that's that's kind of reality that American musicians face. I feel like yeah, yeah. Um, that you have to like knowingly do things that are unmusical. To make mm -hmm. sure that the audience get the best experience, the diction, right. yeah, yeah, um, and and that was kind of uh, a, a fight that I had with myself uh, ah. for years because sure, I sure. hate <laughs> projecting, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I, I think again it's it's so much about culture and and things like that. Like in Thailand. Um, I I didn't grow up in a big 
house or apartment or whatever, right? So like small rooms means mm-hmm. you don't have to project. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't play that many concerts. Mm. So all the, yeah, like you play in the lessons, also small rooms and, and things like that. And so um, we never needed to project. Yeah. We don't understand the concept <laughs> of projecting. Point. Yeah. You know, and like... In Hong Kong, for example, it's even smaller with more people in the household. Mm. Mm-hmm. So not only you learn, um, uh, not actually, I was going to say not only you learn how to not project, but actually in Hong Kong, it's slightly different because like a family of four or five would be occupying one room, right? one small room, right? And, and you still have to like live your life. So actually you have to kind of fight. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. to fight through, and like if you if you've seen APA, mm-hmm. um, there are not that many practice rooms, right? Right. Um, and so it's a tradition to practice on the foyer. Yeah. Yeah. So you would have like <laughs> fifteen musicians like in a row right. on the balcony, like practicing, and so you you learn how to cut through mm-hmm. all the other sounds, and you also learn how to like. Not listen and to not other listen, people. Listen to other people. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's just like the... not. I mean, Hong Kong, of course, produces like a lot of phenomenal right. musicians. But while you're in that kind of environment, of course, like <laughs> you, it, it's kind of hard. Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, I think it's... Yeah, it has a lot to do with the halls. And, yeah. yeah. The space that you're playing in. Yeah, that's important. Right. Well... I feel like we've been yeah we're we're for coming up almost on two hours now yeah <laughs> if you want to uh, wrap up or things. anything I I did have one more question that I wanted to ask yeah. if you're okay with it um, yeah. just wanted to know about your goals for the future quartet mm-hmm. goals but also personal goals and any non music goals that maybe yeah. you have oh. for yourself if you want to talk Very about nice. those mm-hmm. um I mean. Um, I think this is kind of relating to the move to Europe as well, but, uh, you know, like quartet life in the state is very much just quartet. Ah. Like you don't see a lot of quartets that are, you you know, like the members are in orchestra and then they meet up for, for concerts with the quartets for a couple of months. I think Johannes, um, if I remember correctly, Johannes quartet did that, um, um, but that was the only one I can think of. Um, yeah, you might do some little chamber music projects with other people and things like that, but not, not orchestra. Mm-hmm. And, um, but in, in Europe, it's like, it's way more common and it's, it's almost like majority of the quartets do other things on the side. Ah. Mm. like for real um mm-hmm. and there's so many quartets like even belgia quartet you know like um the cellist is principal uh, or solo cellist at um basel uh, mm-hmm. in basel i think um as well as their second violinist and so like yeah even top quartets like they 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 have they do they play an orchestra on the side or mm-hmm. do a lot of teaching and things like that and i i really love teaching um mm. i think it's also part of the 
um, like I always always feel like I'm always afraid of losing what I have earned, what I have earned in terms of knowledge, ah, um, yeah. what I have learned. Um, yeah, um, and teaching is you know it's the best way of keeping that fresh mm, because that makes you sense. See exactly like yeah. Um, like I struggle for years and years and years and years and still do now with arm weight. Like that has been my problem since I was 13 like, or even younger. Mm. I didn't realize um, like I did not and still don't know how to use arm weight. Mm. And, um, but if you play, you know, you, you have a set way of playing for years. It's kind of, it's kind of um, you're you're blindsided by it yeah. basically. Mm. You could buy a viola bow. <laughs> yeah, I sometimes <laughs> I practice with the cello bow. Um, oh, great! Yeah, but um, and but with teaching, like you know, if I see a student who plays with no arm weight, then you're like, oh no, you can't do that because <laughs> oh wait, I <laughs> actually you can. That's not really <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, right away you know that like oh. You, you reflect, you see mm. yourself in your students and, and things like that, and you, mm. you try to help. Like, I think Kivok is one of the best examples of, of nev- the, the, the idea of um, never stopping learning, basically. Because mm. um, I don't know if you've noticed, but um, every time there's a master class or whatever... He um, changes. Precisely. Yeah. That week, mm-hmm. he would spend the whole week talking about that thing that he just learned. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I find that so refreshing because, like, both he and I were digesting this information at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, during the week. Yeah. And it's so cool to see, like, oh, this is how he sees it. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is how I see it. Oh, mm. so how did I not see what he saw? Well, oh, but then, right. then you kind of, like, yeah, I, I think for me the most exciting thing about about life and and music uh, is is this like discovery, like con- constant discovery mm-hmm. of things. And um, there are things like like I have a Google Keep uh, account because a file that I kept, and I would I I can print like twenty pages out or whatever. It's it's really crazy long of, of everything I've learned since like 2015 mm-hmm. or something wow. like that. And um, sometimes, uh, some days I would like go back and, and read the stuff from before and I'm just like, oh, actually this makes much more sense now. Mm-hmm. Now that I have this new bit of information, right. you know, Good and point. all these things. And um, yeah, and, and that, that um, yeah, that kind of, keeps it fresh and uh, and make sure that you don't it makes yeah it ensures that you don't stand still right in some ways and, yeah. and so anyway uh, um, i digress <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> but um, basically uh, seeing how uh, european quartets uh, operate now we are actually looking for orchestra auditions oh, oh looking at cool orchestra auditions and and i've been when I was in um, Oslo, I was subbing with the uh, Oslo Phil okay. um, for a couple of concerts and stuff, and so waiting for them to have an opening. Mm-hmm. Um, um, one of, it's really one of the best orchestras I've 
hurt in my life. Mm. It, it's That's really crazy. cool. Yeah. Um, um, and um, basically, yes, I, I love teaching, like I said, and so I hope to have students. Right now, I'm just kind of like, I have a couple of people who would like, hey, can I play for you, you know, once yeah. a month or once every two months or something like that. And um, yeah, that's always great. But yeah, I would love to have my studio. Um, mm, yeah. Yeah. Like I want lessons in... with you. Oh. <laughs> I, I mean, I would love lessons with you. <laughs> we, we can always play for each other. I mean, I ask yeah. for a lesson for my friends all the time. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a small exchange of, of ideas. It's not sure. really, um, yeah. And yeah, being in an orchestra, just at this point, you know, like it's, it is important to have an income, right? You know, and, and quartet, it just, yeah, doesn't make enough money for, mm. for the long, for the longest time, because like you get the same amount uh same size of paycheck as a soloist but you split in four i mean it's oh that's I tough see. Yeah, yeah i mean um when we were playing with yca um uh we had friends that curtis who was with um cag and we would ask him like oh like by the way like how much, how much are you paid pay? like, you know for this <laughs> yeah. concert or something and he was just like you know, four thousand, and they would say, "Oh, it's the same with us, but we, but we, we split, split it, it in four. four. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, that's hard. It's, it's not, it's not easy. Yes, definitely, it's hard, and and of course, like, we had to start over uh, with the quartet and coming to a new continent where people don't really know us and things like that. So, like, the fee now is even lower than before, ah. and things mm. like that. So, yeah, it, it is important to to have some kind of a an income so i think short-term goal would be to be in an orchestra that understands um chamber music and mm. apparently oslo phil is quite flexible mm. um with nice. with scheduling and stuff oh um, good nice yeah um yeah so that that is like the goal and for for quartet we have um we're doing a competition in in france uh, mm-hmm. in May, Bordeaux, uh, but again, competition is, it's in a way, a quickest way, the, the quick, quickest way of getting concerts and stuff like that, right? Ah, because yeah. if you win, then you get all these engagements and, sure. and people hear about you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I, I just hate competition. Like, in general. Ah. um, mm. the, the feeling of like, you have to play well um like you have to play near perfect near perfectly um yeah uh, in terms of in a very specific way yeah yes and at the same time musically you can't um in in our case we can't be ourselves because usually what we do is is not conventional enough yeah um uh you know and so like we heard a comment recently where someone said uh um, someone said that like oh that if that was a performance you know first rate it was mm-hmm. nothing to say all these things but in a competition i wouldn't vote for you ah oh. that's so weird because yeah exactly it's just like oh because you know 
this new material you sped up uh, too abruptly and mm -hmm. huh. you took too much time here and all these things blah, blah, blah. and in the second movement you play too fast yeah mm -hmm. it's, it's um, almost like you can never risk offending about anything you have to always appeal to the widest variety of people yeah. and so you end up getting like a very middle of the road for everything type approach right. exactly. yeah like, it's, it's tough to like, put yourself in yeah. that box yeah yeah totally and and i feel like most of the time the winners are the ones who are the are the most capable in mm -hmm. whatever they're doing um and it's also the one who offended the fewest people yeah right <laughs> yeah it's just probably you know like of course they're all musical when you get to a final but like right you can't be too crazy right you you can't be um yeah i i feel like i don't know if this is true but I, um i don't know if you guys have heard of chiaroscuro quartet no oh, I don't think so. fantastic uh, okay. they play on period instruments oh. uh, um That's yeah cool. but oh well actually they play on gut string for sure yeah okay not all not always on period instruments but um mm. The, for me, one of the most amazing quartet uh, today. Mm. Like, That's cool. Really, like everything they play is so fresh. Um, it, it's just ridiculous. Like uh, they just released um, the whole album of Beethoven Opus 18, and we played number five and six quite quite a bit. And six, I mean, when I heard it, I heard it like a couple of weeks ago, and it was just like the most fun I had mm. <laughs> from just, you know, sitting with my phone on Spotify. It was just crazy. Um, wow. For example, like, I feel like if you play that way uh, in a competition, you might not win. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like that, that, and that's kind of a sad reality of it. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, with, with uh, new members and stuff, it's good to do, a competition at, at least a competition together so that you feel a sense of accomplishment mm. Mm. okay i think it's kind of hard um for jules and her like they joined us in 2019 mm -hmm. so it was after we won bischoff after we won yca and coleman and all those things and so um for you know, for the bio to say, oh, the Zoro Quartet won this and that, uh, but they wasn't, they they weren't an active part of it right. <laughs> uh -huh. um, back then. Then it's, I, I think it's it's nice to basically build also new experience together and and mm. um, yeah, so that everyone feels like, oh, okay, like I really am a big yeah. part of the <laughs> quartet. Cool. Yeah. So that's a goal for the quartet. That's cool. How about uh, what's a non-music goal? Learning Norwegian. I mean, that uh, that would be cool. I mean, I'm also learning German because I'm here. Oh, right. great! It, yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, Duolingo is fine, right? Because you, yeah. you just whatever it's it's easy and things like that. But then when you get put in real life situation, you're like, uh. yeah. I just learned uh, how to say what's... grandma and zoo. Are you a grandma? A zoo? <laughs> no, uh, I don't know what to say. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just learned how to say my bear didn't have a bicycle or something. Right. Like, <laughs> Duolingo started started to have like all these crazy, uh, yeah, crazy sentences and stuff, um, mm -hmm. which is not 
applicable in real life. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, but basically, yeah, learning languages, I think it would be cool if I can, if I can learn uh, German or Norwegian and, mm. and, and be fluent at it and stuff. Um, I think, I, yeah, I, I would say settling down somewhere in Europe, mm. preferably in Oslo. Cool. Mm. I, I think that would be like the the biggest achievement uh, mm. or the most important one in some ways because um, Cizai and I had a cat. I, this is like, it sounds kind of stupid, but we had a cat back in, in, um, in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we were coming here, so we had to give him away. Oh, and I think that like, that really killed us. That was, yeah, I mean, uh-huh. their new owners are great, and they take good care of him. And, oh, be so and sad. they even, yeah, they they made a new um, they made a Instagram account oh. just for him. So you can check it. Oh. Yeah, exactly. But like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's really interesting because like. I think that was the, I, I remember the day that we dropped him off in the mm. new place. Um, and of course he was like, he didn't know what was going on. So he was just like, you know, exploring the new space mm. and all these things. And we let him settle in and he seems comfortable and was okay, we were leaving. So this was, mm. like, we were never going to see him again. And, and I, Jisai and I went to the door, uh, putting our shoes on and he like, walked over to us and like sat in front of us and just like looked at us and oh my god don't make oh. me cry <laughs> i i died no um, yeah and i'm so sorry yeah oh. i think that that was when like both of us were like we need to settle down <laughs> have a home and, yeah and, uh, and yeah. have a place to call home and and basically like start a life um mm-hmm. and yeah oslo is just you know something about oslo that calms all four of us down mm. for some reason like you know how like new york can be i, I right. still remember the first time i went to new york for like a festival or whatever and and like even at the airport it was so intense that, yeah like, yeah the stress level just shot up it um, is yeah yeah it's crazy it's and, tough yeah but the worst thing is that when you live there you get used to it mm. and you feel yeah. like and and you don't realize that you put yourself under so much stress. Uh, right. At least for me, I, I didn't love it so much. Um, and being in Norway, like it just felt like completely mm-hmm. different time moves at a moves at different speed. Um, and yeah, everything is much slower. Like the first couple of days, we still caught ourselves walking way too fast. And just like, oh, why are we walking so fast? <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, we don't have a train to catch. So, mm. <laughs> so like, yeah, the city is like small enough so you can walk literally anywhere. Oh. Um, and yeah, the, it's just, um, it's too expensive to eat out. So you okay. go small. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's crazy. Like even McDonald's is almost like $20. Wow. Wow. It's, it, yeah, it's insane. Um, um, yeah. And because of that, you spend more, and you also like, you spend more time outside with the nature, uh, nature and, and stuff and concerts are great. Yeah. 
so like I think we we saw a place where we can see ourselves settling mm. down in and and really like be happy with and it's close enough to the rest of Europe. Right. Yeah. To to like that's convenient. You know, if you want to go see a concert and whatever, it's it's not as convenient as like being in Vienna right now because like hmm. you know if we want to go to Slovakia, it's just like an hour away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or even flying to England the other day was like two hours. Mm, that is so convenient. Yeah. And oh my goodness. Yeah. Can take a train literally anywhere, and and yeah, it's nice. But um, yeah, I think Norway is mm. it's what we that 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 would be my um, personal <laughs> goal, Wonderful. I guess. You want <laughs> to find a Europe? way to live in Norway? We should yeah, move to Europe. Let's move to Europe. First, we have to get as good as top. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's a tall order. Oh, no. Well, that's okay. that's a great goal, and I. It sounds like you found a lot of happiness and a really great place, at, especially in Oslo. So, I wish yep. you the best in finding you. the spot that you want to settle down. Yeah, hopefully we'll get to see you in person very soon. Yes, would love to go visit. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. We should <laughs> oh, talk yes. to you a little bit about Isara logistics stuff and some things after we yeah, hang we'll up. Yeah, we plan afterward. Yes. <laughs> but um can I, can I also say I think you guys are doing a really great thing. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, all the videos that you post and stuff it's just, it's really I I think that's yeah, that's the way to do it. I think to reach out to a wider audience as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and keep yourself busy. Um, yeah. Cuz like again like sometimes I feel like I'm stuck in the uh, practice room or whatever and perform maybe once a month or once every two months mm. or whatever and it's like you keep producing videos and I know from experience like every time you make those videos like you do feel like okay I have to you know push myself uh -huh. you know I have to yeah. sound good and stuff and <laughs> like oh I'm just listening to your piazzola oh thank you very nice thank you so much <laughs> I've, that makes me feel oh, happy because that was actually the first one I, I got a dislike on so I'm really sad what yeah <laughs> <laughs> you made my day you I, erased I that was dislike a, I think it was a mistake <laughs> probably <laughs> Who knows? no, no, no. It was, it's the same like um, like I always say like uh, yeah I was watching and I was just like whoa Henry like you. I feel like your setup is so so good like that, that's you. the kind of thing where like <laughs> sometimes like I watch my own videos and it's like oh my fingers are all weird and uh, you know my bow hold is always really funky and things like that and like you have such a good setup and i feel like you play like the music just comes out like you don't have to <laughs> who are you listening you know? to <laughs> no, i was just talking to her about you last night i was like man top his bow is so fluid he just does no tension he's so oh. musical <laughs> no tension, i can't play no like sound. that <laughs> <laughs> no way <laughs> oh i mean it, it really is it's a big struggle like yeah you have I'd say I remember even uh, from IU days already, like you had a good, really good sound production. Oh, really? Um, Thank you so much. Yeah. I feel like my IU days were like the low point of my life. Seriously, I got so stuck musically. It was I such mean, a hard two years. Yeah, I, th I think sometimes we, we need that. And in a way yeah. that we also to appreciate the good times afterwards, but also like... Of course. To learn how to... to 
to deal with with those things. I I, I felt the same in in all the places that sure <laughs> I've gone to. Yeah, you still sounded great though. Thank you very okay. much. <laughs> Yeah. That means a lot to us. There. Does. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah, and also like thank you for like being on with our podcast. Uh, I know you're really oh. busy and Yeah, we really like, appreciate it. You are like big inspiration for us and a lot of people. Oh, so, yeah, it's you're too kind. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I I really hope like a lot of like other Thai musicians and any other musicians like you know, like listening to you and they probably got a lot of inspiration and things and of course oh. like you know want to be with you oh. <laughs> like, like not with you like be like you yeah Sorry. <laughs> but yeah <laughs> they can be with me as well but yeah like thank you so much it's really great to have you on thank you. happy to talk to you guys hopefully like we can do other s- stuff like you know yeah. go visit you either in vienna or oslo or oh Yes. Paris, who that knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, hopefully like there will be more things that we can do together. Yeah. I also really like how you talk about music. We don't have like a limit. You can't, it's not like you can only be on the podcast one time. Right. So, oh. you know, if you ever want to come yeah, back yeah. on and just talk about music and stuff. I feel like there's yeah. more things that I can <laughs> ask you like I keep going for another two hours, but I feel like yeah, this is never would be too People's exhausted. attention spans <laughs> are not four hours long, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. I, I would love to. I, I, I think, like I said, it's part of the um, kind of keeping things fresh. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I, do, I do feel sometimes I, I bore people with, the <laughs> because, no. like, with, with my thoughts and stuff because it's like... Um, yeah it's sometimes you don't you can't really process your thoughts until it comes out yeah right um also i think especially for myself because i uh, i have to make sure that i say the right things uh appropriate things and and things like that and so like um sometimes if it's just stuck in my head um you know they they get kind of messy yeah mm. and so to actually like write it down like i i made i actually started a website uh last year and i started writing blogs really and stuff but then like that also is just like so it's it's really hard you know because like um i i there are days where i feel the the you can say like the bitterness or whatever towards the world and like ah. <laughs> and not well or like i feel like i remember drafting the kind of statement mission or whatever mission statement um uh or why i i started the website uh and the mm-hmm. first draft was like it's, it's so negative oh <laughs> you know it's just like like i always i, I think i said something like I, I always felt that um music education is there's something wrong with music education mm. you know what i mean that somehow so much emphasis is being put on perfection right um you know, and, and it crippled a lot of people. And and I think seeing friends who were so promising, you know, and seeing them struggle, mm. you know, after school, it's, it's, it's not a great thing to see. And, yeah. And, and it's like, I feel like it's mainly because like you were taught to, I mean, for the most, for the most part, uh, somehow you were taught to, put perfection 
above mm-hmm. all else mm-hmm. in some ways. Um, and, and so you were so worried about doing things wrong. Mm. Um, and you were worried about where you are in the ranking and things like, oh, mm-hmm. like he's better than me, she's better than me, I'm the worst or whatever. And, and it just, yeah, it's just not healthy. healthy. No, um, it's not. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so I I drafted that, and I'm just like, oh, who's gonna <laughs> come back onto this website? <laughs> it's like this is not a good way to, uh, yeah, and yeah, and and I would like give like you know listening exercise or whatever, mm-hmm. and and things like that, and I would draft new things that I thought of, but then it's also part of my personality where I'm just like, oh, um, I. I yeah, my mom has a big influence on this, but she she does not, uh, in a way, approve of of um, of giving wrong information. Yeah. Mm. Right. And yeah. she always said that, like, especially k- kids who are taking lessons from you, they are like empty glass. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you if you give them m- dirty water muddy water whatever then they then they're that. screwed yeah. yeah you know and it's hard to clean up or it so is I, since i was young i was just like oh i have to make sure that what i give to people is be it's, careful yeah it's filtered and clean it's, yeah right? i totally and, feel yeah. yeah and so like all my posts like i i think i have 20 drafts uh-huh. um, that of post uh 20 posts in drafts that i yeah haven't really like thought off or whatever or like perfected or whatever and uh, it's, yeah. yeah it's it's hard so it's it's very helpful to to talk about talk. it with yeah. someone yeah. but that's the great part about the drafting process yeah. it's like i i'm actually totally the same way we go on walks all the time because we live mm-hmm. in this wonderful foresty place now and i just feel like every time we're walking i'm just like blah, 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 just like <laughs> letting my mouth run like mad because you know i need to sort out my thoughts and i'm sorry you're the best but um (laughs) (laughs) i should pay her by now um and uh well the that drafting process is so important because you know how you have that thought about you know let's say what you said about music education um if that were, let me just put myself in your shoes. If that were yep. me experiencing that, I would feel that, you know, a hundred, 200 times throughout that day in different mm-hmm. permutations. And, you know, it wouldn't be until I get it out there on the computer, read it mm-hmm. and say, oh, that's a little negative. I wouldn't be able to catch that for myself. So if I didn't draft that, if I didn't have that process, if I didn't, yeah. you know, and it's the same with a recording too. Something that's permanent that you can't change that you have to look at and say, that's what it actually was, that objective thing. And then you can say, oh, I didn't know I was blah. I didn't know I was blah. And so that that's a beautiful part about it. And I, I think I heard one quote somewhere. I can't remember who said it, but um, that speaking things out loud or writing them down, it's like having your ideas compete and the best one is the one that it sounds a little dark. The best one's mm-hmm. the one that stays alive. And mm-hmm. it's like the other the other ideas, they're also you. All of those are parts of you, but those those other parts of you that 
aren't as good for you, they die. Mm. And so you're able to, it's almost like a flower. Like you have to snip the branches that aren't doing so well. And then the plant can continue to grow well. At least that's how I always look at it. And mm. yeah. wow, that got a little dark. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I, I mean, to be honest, I love talking about these kind of things. Oh, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can have the next podcast just about philosophies. So. Okay, sure. Oh, yeah. We <laughs> yeah. love that. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. And I think it's also like, in, in some ways, like, yes, the best ideas are the ones that stay alive, right? But in, in, in some sense, it's also the strongest one, yeah. um, right? And, and that's the one that you really know that that's, that's you. Yeah. Um, and for me, the scary thing is that um, that can be good or bad. Uh, you know what I mean? it's just like whatever you um basically like whichever side you feed more mm -hmm. is ah, gonna be the one that true survives so like for Survive. example when i was drafting the website like if i really believe that like i needed to get this message message out like yeah. across uh that you know education is wrong then i would have done it mm. you know but i i think it's good to know that, okay, I have this side of me, but then my conscience is telling me that this is not good. Yeah. So, so it's kind of good to like, like you said, like lay it all out and then let them kind of reveal themselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in yeah. Some way. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Let's do next podcast. Just talk a lot about philosophy. Yeah. Sure thing. <laughs> Would be awesome. Everybody bring tissues and sad music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it can get can get heavy. Just kidding. Just right. kidding. <laughs> well, um, I guess we should wrap up. Sure. Because we gotta go have dinner with my dad. Oh, I see. Um, but, uh, I I just wanna say like, do you have anything you would like to mention, like your website, you you your YouTube channel, or like Sora Cortez Instagram? Anything? We will put it up for you, like if you wanna talk about oh, it a little yeah. bit yeah in the description under the video we can throw yeah. in whatever links you want sure that sounds great i mean i'll i'll just there, there are quite a few links with the zora that i don't even remember myself oh right <laughs> uh, yeah i'm not i'm not in charge of the social media so sure um, okay yeah and i'm kind of off social media that that can be for same podcast yeah i right yeah it's it's much better yeah <laughs> it is yeah yeah. Sure. Yeah, we'll put it so, down and I'll, I'll you. ask you for those information. And yeah, it gets us a good place to wrap up. It is. Yeah. Well, thank you yeah. so much for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank it was you. so much fun. Yeah. And thank you everyone for watching also. I know. Yes. And yeah, thank you for staying with us this whole podcast and hope you guys get a lot of things. Very like a lot. It's, it was a lot of good like many good conversation we have yeah. lately. I'm going to go back yeah. to this one, re-listen to it a bunch of times. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That's one of the nice things about doing this. I have like this catalog of these great conversations that I have mm. with people that I like to talk to. I can just listen nice. to them as many times as I want. Yeah. So cool. That's cool. Uh, I, I actually, I also like wanted to do podcasts and stuff for the longest time in interviews and things like that. But like, the biggest problem is that I don't like my own voice. <laughs> ah, yeah, it's, it's hard. You do have a really good radio voice. I have a very nice dark microphone that I can get <laughs> close to and sound a little more masculine. <laughs> <laughs> but 
yeah thanks everyone for watching and hopefully we'll see everyone in the next episode and hopefully we'll have Pitop back in some of the episodes soon yeah. thank you so much thank you so much everybody oh Bye. please yeah like subscribe I don't yeah. know did you say that already please oh. like and subscribe <laughs> uh, share to your friends and other people and, and yeah check out our Patreon because so far our only Patreon is my mom so <laughs> 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 All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye.